This talk show is brought to you by Health Plans, your Medicare plans, insurance solutions, and resource agency. We have a variety of plans and products that fit your needs, benefit requirements, and budget. With many low or no-cost premium plans, zero co-pays, and much more. Our licensed benefits advisor's priority is your health and well-being. Call us today and book your no-obligation consultation. 1-929-367-5269 Coming up next is Sales World. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, the Sales World channel, and iHealth Radio. We're the host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic. And hope everybody had a great 4th of July and, uh, you know, in the States and uh, our friends in Canada. Happy Canada Day. Uh, it's belated, but hey. And then, of course, in the world, happy whatever you're celebrating. <laughs> so so with me today, I have a guest. that We're going to tackle a, a business concept, and, and this is about performance. Uh, you know, employee performance and how to get the best out of it. And he is a performance expert and he does consulting with companies and to help them get to a better place with the employees and get the better outcome for their uh, customers and the bottom line, of course, everybody is a win-win for all. So without any further ado, I have with me Gregory Offner and uh, welcome to the show, Gregory. Hurricane, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, my pleasure. And, and before, like, we get started with the, the core of the discussion today. Now we have a lot. We have about an hour, so we're gonna, you know, read in a lot of stuff. You know, and hopefully we can pack pack it in. <laughs> but I know your story has a unique angle and something that happened to you. And I, I just wanted to start with that. So first, tell us about Gregory, his journey, what got you into this, and of course, let's talk about you know that that incident that you had that almost kind of stopped your career path and everything else. So how did what, what how do we start <laughs> I, I feel like there's so much buildup we just got to get right to it so in 2015 uh, doctors told me that i had vocal damage that was so bad if i didn't stop my life and have surgery on my vocal cords within two weeks to two months i would lose the ability to speak completely i would lose my vocal function how do we get there well, for many years prior, I led a double life. During the day, I was a sales professional. So I built sales teams, I ran sales teams, I was part of sales teams that had international reach and scope, different organizations and industries. But the last seven years, I had spent in the insurance and consulting, human capital consulting world. At night, I adopted a different name. People knew me as Junior. And I performed in piano bars and as a dueling piano performer all over the world from from Vegas to Paris, you know, New York. I mean, I played on five continents at this point. I can't even count how many states and different countries. But so I had this interesting life where during the day I talked all day long. You know, I'd be at breakfast networking events, I'd be working all day, then I'd be at afternoon and evening networking events. And then on the weekends and, and some weeknights, I would go and sing at piano bars or, or I'd travel to piano bars. 
So my voice was never getting the proper rest that our voice needs. I didn't think about that. I was young and dumb and sort of headstrong and I would never lose my voice and you know, never even thought about losing my voice until this day in 2015 when I showed up to do a gig and my voice was already a bit raspy, but I thought, you know, maybe it's the Marlboro Lights and the Jack Daniels that I you know, was enjoying the night before. But when I started to sing, nothing came out. Well, something came out, but not what I wanted. What, what came out sounded more like, and that's not what you want to hear when you're paid to sing professionally. That's probably the worst thing you could hear when you're paid to sing professionally. So I told the, the manager I had to go. I said, look, you can fire me. You don't have to pay me, but I cannot. I don't know what's happening. I cannot sing on these vocal cords. And in, a few days later, I got in to see a vocal specialist. His advice to me was, you can either stop smoking or stop talking, but you have to pick one. So that day I quit smoking cold turkey. That was a very powerful trigger for me to quit smoking. But over the next couple of weeks, my voice still didn't improve. So I went to see another specialist. He said, I'm really not sure what's wrong with you and sent me to a specialist who's worked on some of the most famous vocal cords on the planet. I can't even mention most of the names, but a few that I can are Shania Twain, Neil Diamond, uh, Mary Martin, if that name is familiar for any of my musical theater people. And he did a full day and a half of prodding and poking and assessing. And he finally said, Greg, I've worked on thousands of people's voices and I've never seen a pair of vocal cords as damaged as yours on someone who's, continue, who's still singing professionally right now. So here's the deal. If we do nothing, your vocal cords will become paralyzed because right now they're in, they're in severe trauma. And what they do when they're in severe trauma is they stop moving to try and, and, and heal themselves. If you continue to talk and sing, you're going to push your vocal cords past a point of return. I won't be able to do anything. My guess, two weeks to two months, depending on how you use your voice before you have absolutely no vocal function. Or you can undergo vocal cord surgery. It's a very lengthy recovery. You probably won't be able to talk regularly for about six or eight months. And I don't know what your vocal quality is going to sound like, but these are your two options. And Hurricane, it was in that moment that I wasn't thinking about what I wanted, you know, what I wanted for my life, I was thinking about everything I was going to lose. Like I was going to lose this six figure income that I had from my day job. And I was going to lose all of the enjoyment and fun that I got from my nighttime job, traveling the world, all that, you know, the, the fame and prestige, so to speak. I was focused on loss, not on what to do to get what I wanted. And for the first couple of months of recovery, that put me in a really bad spot because I couldn't talk, I couldn't communicate, I, I couldn't exchange my feelings with other people easily, and I felt really trapped. What would happen is that after that first surgery, my voice recovered slightly, and the doctor said, you know, we, we should do something else. We should do an additional surgery. Five years later, I've had 15 surgeries to repair and rebuild my vocal cords. Actually, 13 on my vocal cords, two to completely rebuild my stomach, a valve in my stomach. Acid reflux for me was a really big part of why my voice got so badly damaged so quickly. And along the way, I learned a lot about navigating change, and I learned a lot about what I want. And I decided in 2019 that what I wanted was to use my voice for something I felt more passionate about, not selling consulting services for some other company or selling insurance products. I wanted to help take the irk out of work for people because my whole corporate journey had basically been me trying to avoid getting fired, avoid being poor, like not being able to pay my bills and live up to my obligations. I know that's a really bad and blunt way to put it, but 
I had been living a life of avoidance and, and I still did okay, but I never had the confidence, the courage, the tenacity to chase what I wanted. Mm. I was always on defense. And so I was exhausted. I was frustrated and I was deeply unfulfilled. And I made that decision in 2019. I said, if I get full function back on my voice, I'm not going back to that life. I'll do what I have to do to provide for my family, but I am going to pursue this relentlessly. Is perform and live in a way that helps others live in a better way than I did. Because I know, I'm sure your listeners, there are several of them, I bet, that are dealing with a change or that are avoiding dealing with a change that's very difficult to make in their life. That is, um, maybe they'd say impossible to make. I felt that way. I've been there. But what I realized is we've all got the resources within us. We just need either someone to help pull them out of us or help us build on them to make them stronger. And so that's what I get to spend my days doing now. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that is that is some powerful stuff. And then, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a few minutes just to kind of break it down a little bit for our audience because there's so much there that, that you said in so little time. <laughs> I mean, we could certainly spend hours breaking it down, but I'll try to do my best here. So the first thing is, I mean, uh, I am glad that you're you've transited through this because I mean that is a tough one and I I cannot possibly imagine what you had. Uh, I mean I know at the time where you heard that uh, and you had those those difficult choices to make. I mean that is not something that any one of us can can possibly fathom. You know uh, dealing with at any given day, and uh, you know it's hard. You know like you you passed it, but someone you know any day can can almost face the same challenge or a different challenge. But you know you never know what can happen, and those are life changing you know, moments. And uh, the fact is that your doctor says you can smoke or, not, or talk. I mean, that is, that is as blunt, but it's as powerful as, as you can get. And, and sometimes, I mean, I think just as a message, I mean, I, I we're going to talk business and, and just, you know, a little bit of a motivation and inspiration piece, but really from a health perspective, a lot of people at the young age, you know, don't worry about things and they just do live sometimes a life that can't possibly be detrimental to their health eventually. But we don't see it that way when you're young. I mean, that's just the fact. We all think that we're invincible, we are unbreakable, <laughs> and we got this until the minute we get a bad news, and then now it's a matter of decision. And and you know, you had to take you know the right decision. And 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 again, another powerful point you said, you stop in a heartbeat. I mean, heartbeat. <laughs> so so you start you stop immediately, and that's another thing to power the mind. The mind said, enough, you can't do this. Now you are in serious, you know. Uh, position and you were able to do that that's another thing where people sometimes say i can't stop you can't uh, but it doesn't have to take an, a, a disaster or a tragedy or a tragic event you know or, or an instance this diagnosis here to actually be able to make that difference so again folks uh you know your health is your wealth you know do what's best for you but but be considering you know the uh, the fact that you know uh your habits your style lifestyle can actually have a bad impact on you uh the other thing you you were successful you had a great job uh, and a great career and also a great entertainment, you know, streak there. And that's great stuff. I mean, you travel the world and that's beautiful. And here you come in, in this moment, it's like life is shutting down for you. I mean, again, anybody watching and listening, if this happened to any one of us, we'd probably be like shattered because what, what the hell's going on? You don't know the outcome and no doctor's giving you guarantees. And as, as you talk to them, they still tell you, we don't know how it's going to perform. I mean, you took the challenge you're, you know, 13, 
surgeries. I mean, that's in itself is a, is a marathon of surgeries. There's a lot of Apparently, surgeries. if I do one more, I get a free coffee the next time. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, they got to punch my punch card there or something. <laughs> it is, I mean, I, look, I don't want to come across as if I was this superhero navigating all of this. I mean, it, it, in the middle of this experience, so in the middle, what does that mean? The fifth or sixth surgery, I was in a really deep depression. I mean, I was suicidal. And thankfully, I've got a great family and I've got the mental resources, you know, with the background in psychology. And, and, and I want to make it clear, I'm not a, I'm not a, a clinical psychologist. I don't practice. Uh, I'm not a therapist. But I recognize that this wasn't just a fleeting thought. We all have fleeting thoughts. They're not always about suicide, but we, 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 we have thoughts that we just go, oh, that's a weird thought. And we let it go. I was on the subway platform getting ready to go to work. And, you know, it's maybe triggering to some people, but I think it's an important thing to mention that um, I was on the subway platform and I was so in my own head about where this process was or wasn't going and just this having this massive pity party for myself and it felt so isolated because I couldn't talk to my friends. I, I physically couldn't talk that I thought maybe I just would be better off if I were under the train instead of in it. And it was that very real thought that I didn't go to act on, but that sent something off in my brain that said, that's, this is a problem. This is not, that's not just a fleeting thought. Oh, I wonder what that would be like. This was a very real, I think this would be better. And I took action. I went and I sought professional help. Um, so I, I want to, you know, I just want to be very clear that number one, I'm not a, a therapist, but number two, this was not a very simple A to B journey for me. There were a lot of ups and downs and it actually took a mentor, someone else standing outside of me, listening to me as my voice got better, listening to me sort through all of the pros and cons of who I was or who I thought I needed to be in this world. And she looked at me and she said, I know that you don't see this yet, but I see a world in which all of these parts of you connect because you've got buckets right now, Greg, you've got this bucket of talent. You've got this bucket of intellect and curiosity. You've got this bucket of sales know-how. You've got a bunch of different buckets that you see as separate buckets, but I'm wondering what if you poured them all into the same, into the same place? What would that look like if they all molded, melded? And then she pointed up, we were at a conference. She pointed up on stage at the guy speaking, the guy delivering a keynote speech. And she goes, that is what I think your future looks like. And hurricane, it was like, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me in the head. It was one of those oh moments. That's when I started to make that change. And instead of having the Greg Offner pity party, it became the Greg Offner, I'm on a quest. And Greg, I, I want to thank you so much for, for breaking that down because I was going to ask you, like, the journey was not easy and how do you cope with it? And you did actually <laughs> volunteer that. And uh, it's, it's powerful because people, no matter any one of us, we all go through tough times, no matter what it is. Some are tougher than others. Could be financial, could be health, could be family loss, can be many things. Tragedy. But how we deal with it, you know, sometimes we think that we're invincible again and we can, you know, break through everything. Sometimes it doesn't matter how strong you are. You know, a thought like that can actually be totally uh, irreversible. I mean, all it took is one step and you would have <laughs> this discussion would be here and, and life would have ended and it's, it would have been tragic. But and, and for, for your the way you did it, you recognized it, you immediately seek the help that you needed. And again, a good message for, for anybody listening, watching, if you know someone or it's you're going through something, uh, don't let it be just that you got this by yourself because you don't know what your mind's going to play with. 
and it could be the wrong play and then that's not something you want so i i i really want to thank you for sharing that because i think that's a big powerful message in itself to people and the fact is that that person that that therapist whoever that was there as a support system to help you uh, was able to guide you and, and show you the value that will be you and what your contribution to the world is going to be and then you started seeing that you visualized it and you see it right there i want to be that person on the podium and you did you are doing it <laughs> so and, that yeah just to separate so that wasn't the therapist this was oh, a, that wasn't there was okay no this was oh. a stranger that's oh. i'm a, i'm a big believer in the power of opening up to strangers because there's very little at risk for the person who's doing the opening up, because this is someone you don't know, you'll probably never see again, you know, depending on the circumstance. And they don't have any baggage. They don't know any of your friends. They don't know any of your coworkers. They don't know any of your history. They're, a stranger is as objective an ear, generally, as you can get. Mm. So, you know, of course, we all bring our own baggage and perspectives into advice. And whenever someone asks me for advice or I'm mentoring someone, I have to remind them, listen, I have biases I'm not even aware of when I'm telling you what I think. So I need you to take what I say, not necessarily with a grain of salt, but understand that there are biases I can't get rid of that come with what I'm going to say. That having been said, here's what I think. So as long as we can separate that from the advice of a stranger, there's a lot of value in you know, the, the, the cliche example is just go to a hotel lobby bar and sit down. Somebody's <laughs> going to come in, strike up a conversation and say, hey, let me ask you something. This may seem a little crazy, but I actually work, walk my clients um, through this exercise I call the stranger, which is when you're, and it's a little nod to Billy Joel, one of his songs, because I'm, you know, I'm a piano player and singer. But when you are at a crossroads, particularly with your career, that's normally where I'm sharing this with people, but really any crossroads, I tell folks to go to go take a list to a stranger. Now, here's how you make the list. You get three or five of your friends, not relatives, not family members, but friends. And you ask them to give you a list of between seven and 10 attributes or qualities or interests that are uniquely you. You know, so if, if I did it with some of my friends, I'm sure that playing the piano or, or musical or entertaining or, you know, wacky, would be some of the descriptors that I get, yeah? So now you've got this massive list and let's say you did it with three people and they each gave you 10, now you've got 30 attributes, all right? So you cross off any that you don't agree with because you've got to agree with you know what these things are, yeah? So any that, that you don't really think are true or that miss the mark, cross them off. Now take that list and share it with a stranger and say, hey, I want you to help me. This is gonna sound like a really crazy idea, but help me out with this. Are, are there professions or jobs or, you know, ways to make an income where you think these attributes or these skills or these interests, you know, it, wh where do you see the common thread between all these? And you're going to get ideas you never would have thought of because somebody doesn't know you. They don't know your baggage. They don't know your history. They're coming at this from an objective eye. And it, it's a perspective shift, but it's a, it's a introspective perspective shift. It's an inventory of your skills and abilities as how they can be applied as seen by someone else. And there's tremendous value in that. And if this mentor hadn't showed up in my life and offered me that value, you know, who knows? Maybe I would have found this career, maybe not. Well, first of all, thank you for clarifying that. I, I really, some, I, I, because I, I thought it was all connected to the, the work that the therapy had. But, but, but the fact is, I mean, again, a complete stranger. 
you know, came your way. And that this is the other thing. We think sometimes things happen, uh, you know, by coincidence. And I personally don't believe in such. Things happen the way they're meant to be. And there are people that come across our paths at all levels of our lives. And they're meant for a reason for us in our life. And there's always an outcome that comes, you know, from these things. Good or bad, that's a different story. It's <laughs> it's depending on your circles and where you are at any given moment. But 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 the fact is that person, you know, I hope that you guys still <laughs> maybe are your friends now. I don't know, but but the fact is he or she made an impact in your life, and that that impact is today. You're the, mm -hmm. the 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 real result of of that first. And again, it's just an idea. And, and I love the way you said it. Like the exercise you do, the stranger, you know, exercise. You're right. If you talk to anybody else that doesn't know you, they're just going to give you information. And depending on what that means, you can actually take the extract of it. And that's the other thing. We can take some from here, some from there, and build our own. And that's powerful stuff. Uh, and again, remember, you have a background in, in sales, so you always network and you can chat, you can talk, and you're always, you know, having those discussions. This this is something that was in you already, but but you explored it based on one pointer. And I think that changed your life for the best and not only you now you're changing people's life and business's and life and a lot of them <laughs> and it's and and there's a power to uh the 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 easy example for me to grasp at you know as a musician is someone whose mom says oh you're so talented you should be on broadway mm. or you're so talented you should have a recording deal like that you know who is that girl taylor swift you should have a recording deal like that right your mom, you know, shut up. What do you know? Okay, thanks. I know you love me and you just want to make me feel better. A stranger doesn't care about me. They don't care about my feelings. Mm -hmm. So if a stranger generally says something like, dude, you could be a professional. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Now, there are all sorts of variables here. But you take that, probably, at least I did, a little more seriously than you do of someone you love or someone who knows you. So I had a story about who could be a keynote speaker or you know who could write a book or who could do whatever. And the story was pretty simple. If you weren't a famous person or if you had all your arms and legs, right? You weren't like a quadriplegic or something. If you hadn't climbed Mount Everest, you couldn't be a keynote speaker. And having this stranger look and say, I see you. I see all the things you've told me that you are, and I think that belongs up there. For me, I went, okay, well, what if it could? Instead of saying, there's no way, I said, how could? I started to ask a different question. And as I asked that question, I said, well, I need, I, I need more information. And I started to interview other people that were current keynote speakers or that were current coaches professionally or that owned their own consulting companies. And I asked lots of questions. I must have sat down with 40 or 50 people, either over the phone, on Zoom, or in person. And by the time I was done all those conversations, I realized that the main thing that was contributing to their success was the ability to get gigs and clients right off the bat. And I thought, well, hell, I've been in sales for 15 plus years. That's all I've that's all I feel qualified to do professionally is get new clients. So if you're telling me that's the hardest part of this job, hot damn, I'm your man. Let's do it. I knew that I could hire somebody to teach me the other stuff because I'm very coachable. I love to learn. But I thought, wow, if I've already got 
what you know say 70 or 80 percent of the of the battle is in terms of being successful in this role maybe this really is something i can do and sure enough pretty quickly out the gate without a very good speech I, at least i didn't think it was very good without a very good speech i was able to get a couple of clients i was able to start making money and that was just this um in the healthiest of ways, when I say this, it was this, it fueled this addiction in me that, oh my God, can I get another? Can I do it bigger? How can I make it better? I became obsessed with this because it was something that I was good at and I loved. I was pretty good at sales. I wasn't lighting the world on fire, but I wasn't bottom of the barrel, but I didn't love it. I just did enough to get by. I did just enough to not get noticed in a bad way and didn't care enough to do what it took to get noticed in a good way. That's a pretty sad way to spend the majority of your life, which is the majority of our waking hours as an adult are spent at work. Mm. And that's how many people, I won't say most, but many people that I talk to describe their day. They say, Just try to get through it, man. You show up at eight, do as much as you can, or as, you know, sorry, what is it? As little as you can, or as much as you have to, to get <laughs> till 5 p.m. And then I go home. I mean, if I saw past me, if future me, if me now could see me in 2006, I would, I would just think he was, he was a really sad character because I was coping. That's really how I was living life. I wasn't living. I was just coping. I was coping with all of these things that I felt I had to do and stories that I told myself about how the world was. And it turned out that half those stories, if not more, just weren't true. I listened to somebody else. It's like that whisper down the lane, you know, where you start off the first person who whispers says, you know, I like strawberries. And, and by the time you get to the end, it's strawberry shortcake is only eaten by Russians or, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just like, how did you get from here to there? That's crazy. I heard somebody at some point in my life say something and I internalized it. And all of a sudden, somebody else's truth, what they believed, became my reality. And but for this vocal cord injury, I don't think I would have had the confidence or the courage to discover my own reality. Because when life gets moving, that velocity is very hard to escape. It's like gravity. Life has its own type of gravity. Each of our lives has a gravity. And that's why when somebody in your network makes a big change, you know, use Philadelphia. I live in Philadelphia. So as an example, we've got some really impoverished parts of our city. And I, I work with an organization that goes into those parts of the city and tries to, to bring music to the youth in those communities and use music as a metaphor for success and, and achievement in life. And some of those children, despite their best efforts, can't escape the gravity of their community, of their circumstance. Not because they don't want to, but because the people around them don't want them to. Because when you change, it doesn't just change your world, it changes everybody else's who's in proximity. And all of a sudden where you all might have been like doing okay, now you're doing really well. The people who used to be just doing okay, they see themselves as doing pretty bad because mm. you're up here now. So they sometimes try to pull you back down. The gravity of our life, the velocity of life is very, very, very strong. And I was not in a place where I would have escaped that on my own, where I would have welcomed help to escape it but for this vocal cord injury. So it is literally the best thing that's happened to me in my life. Isn't that crazy? 
It, it is, and and but it's as real as it gets because you know everybody that you would talk to today with a successful story would probably relate to an event, tragic, tragic or otherwise, that happened, and it was basically what made them who they were uh, today. It just basically, it's a change, you know, a, a mind shift, a mindset, you know, change, whatever you want a perception, but, but it, it's an event that takes, you know, the, the turn and, you know, this is the new you and the new you becomes the success story. And, and it's not, it, I, actually, even I can say, I can relate to it myself. There are things that happened in my life that gave me like today, what I'm doing today was driven by an event that was not as tragic, you know, or, 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 or dangerous in a way, but it's a job, a job closes, a job, this, the other thing. And then you kind of decide to move on and you have a new path and you choose that path. Then you become passionate about it and the rest is history. And, but you're right. You, you took the juices of, of, of a message and you kind of broke it down into something that you actually uh, related to and turn it to a whole new world, a new world where you are successful and you also are driving success to other people. Now you mentioned something very powerful about society, the, the people, your circles, how they see you, how you, if you want to get out the gravity of that and all that stuff. But you also talked about, you know, the, the majority of people are stuck and change is very difficult. You know, it's a routine. You wake up, it's the same thing that you do. You're just doing, you know, let your point getting by coping. That's life. It is not the best place to be. And because that's, that's where you really are tired of things. You don't, you don't perform. And, and a lot of us, you know, fall into that, that category. And just in general, we are not, you ask this question to everybody. Everyone wants to be doing what they love. The first thing, some people don't know what that is. The other one, they're stuck because they feel that they have no choice. Uh, one thing that happened in the pandemic, and this, this has been proven over and over, many people took that moment and changed their lives. And many are successful past that, that stage. Now, that was the most you know, tragic event in the last his, <laughs> recent history. And a lot of you know, that, a lot of you know, turmoil. Yet, a lot of people came out of it victorious and successful and changed their lives and other people's lives. So, so that is a big deal. You mentioned something about uh, change, right, earlier. So let's talk about that. The, someone is on, on one path. They need to be on this path to be able to change their life, change everything. The ability to do that or the willingness to do that is usually a challenge. Uh, also, this impacts not only you, it impacts your family, impacts your work, because to your point, I mean, we're going to talk about performance, you know, uh, here. And if you are an employee, first of all, we all are, you know, employees somewhere. It doesn't matter. Even when you own your, your business, you still work. <laughs> you know, so you're working for yourself. doesn't matter. You're self-employed. But at the end of the day, you're still impacting lives, either through you're, you're being the leader and you're impacting people negatively, or you are an employee and you're impacting you know, the company and anybody around you and potentially not giving uh, a good feed to whoever is paying you. You said something about you being a, a, an average salesperson. You did good, but you didn't want to do more. You 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 basically stayed off the radar. <laughs> you know, steady Eddie. You're doing your thing. Nobody's gonna bother you. But that was it. So that was that was basically just a routine. You know, for you, you did your job. You made enough money. You're happy at that point because you had another set of life, which was your singing. You know, career, and that that's that's your passion. I mean, that's always been your passion. But now you you have both. You have that. I'm, I'm assuming you still do, right? You still do the, the singing and the music and all that? Well, yes and no. Uh, my voice probably will never get to a spot just because of the damage and the physiological changes. Got it. We'll never get to a spot where I can do the, the type of gigs that I did before, which were, you know, some were five hours long. Ooh. 
But in the work that I do as a keynote speaker, I have a piano on stage. We're using music in the speech as a metaphor for performance and for change, for engagement, for resilience. We tell stories with music. I mean, if you think about the power of music, like just consider, if I asked you to write down the amount of songs or song lyrics that you knew, right? Easily gonna be five, 10, maybe 15, 20 songs where you're like, oh yeah, I know the lyrics to that song, right? What if I asked you to write down poems? How many poems do you know all the words to? <laughs> I'm not even gonna be able to answer that. You know, roses are red, <laughs> violets are blue. Here's a card that I just bought for you. Like, come on, how many poems do we really know? It shows the power of fusing the rhythm and the melody of music with words and ideas. Mm. That's why a speech is powerful, but a song is transformational. In a speech, you can share an idea that people may remember and may implement. But by using that hook of music, we now allow our, idea our ideas to burrow deep into someone's brain where the guard is down. Because when you're listening to a speech, when you're listening to what's effectively a, a sales pitch, that reptile brain, our amygdala, is watching for danger. It's on high alert for, what are they trying to sneak by me? What are they trying to sell me? When does the pitch come? Where is it? We're constantly looking for that. We're not looking for a sales pitch. We're not on the alert to have to buy things. We're enjoying a song. The rhythm, someone said, I, I forget who gave us this quote. They said, without rhythm, we would never have found dance because we would never move our bodies the way we do on a dance floor without the excuse of music as the reason we're doing it. I mean, think about that. Could you imagine a bunch of people out on a dance floor, you know, gyrating and moving their bodies, but there was no music? You'd think they were possessed. It's, it's, a, it's a very silly visual, yeah? Actually, I've seen that. <laughs> I, I was thinking about those silent raids where I everybody know, exactly. wears headphones. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So it, it really allows my program to be very impactful for the audience because in many times, they're not really sure what they're getting. Meaning the music is so disarming that folks aren't on the lookout for this controversial idea that work should suck less. They're not even paying attention to that. They're like, oh man, I love that song by Billy Joel. And now that your guard is down, let's talk about what we can do to improve the experience, to elevate the experience of work for everyone you work with. Powerful stuff. I love it. Well, there you go. Again, you didn't, you know, uh, uh, veer away from the music. You're still doing it. I mean, you just adjusted to the current situation. And, and, and that, see, that's power in itself, you know. You take what you have and you still make it work based on the certain the circumstances you have. That's that's not a lot of people don't know how to make that happen. And and you know, it, it's not that it, they can't. They just don't know or they haven't. They're they're scared. You did it. You went through it, and it was difficult, but you made it, and you kept your attachment to your music, and you use that still in your powerful you know uh, work that you do today. And that's that's again that is uh, kudos to you. And, and, and really, really, thank you for doing what you're doing because you are t turning people using the stuff that you're passionate about anyways. You still are doing the keynote speaking. That means you still are pitching. You're still doing the music. I mean, the only thing you're not performing is singing, and that's okay. I mean, it, it's something that you already, I guess, adjusted to. Uh, again, you say you can't do the five hours. I'm sure you do like, you know, small things. Maybe I just have fun. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. If, if, yeah, I mean, you have the, the singing, it's something that's never going to go away. Uh, maybe not at the caliper, you know, where you 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 were before, but but you're there, 
And so, so now let's talk about that. You do this work. You work with groups. Mm. You work with, with companies. And, you know, companies, they think they got this and on all times. And they hire people sometimes. And, and there's always that thing. A company is usually made for profit. They're, I don't think of any company that's there. Even if they're not for profit, it's still for profit. <laughs> they still have to make a bottom line, right? And, you know, there's this whole pool. There's the employees. There is the customers. There is the, the uh, I guess, the shareholders. And you have the executive team, right? So these are like some of the parties. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I, before we started the show, we we're talking about that, that, that element, that whole connection. Let's talk about that and let's see how, you know, in your world, how do you weigh, how do you work with people to turn this whole thing and have a win-win, you know, formula for everyone? Well, it starts with, uh, it starts with understanding the purpose of the performance. I, I believe that whether you're on a real stage like I used to be on, or the corporate stage, right, which may be someone's cubicle or a boardroom or, or an auditorium for a large presentation, you're giving a performance. And to give an effective performance, the performer must understand their audience. Yes. As an employee, do we truly understand our organization? What its purpose is? What its desired impact is out in the world? and the way in which it goes about achieving that or the process, yeah? Mm -hmm. As an employer or as a leader of people, do we understand that our audience, not talking about marketing like to your end buyer, but your audience day in and day out is really the people you employ. And what I've discovered is that many employers don't actually know their people. There's all these tests like Myers-Briggs and the personality inventory and yada, 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 and and they're great. They have their place. But when it comes down to it, when I'm in front of an audience, there are three types of people in my audience. I'm talking about when I was at a piano bar. Mm. There's three types of people. We used to call them keepers, leapers, and sleepers. Right, So the keepers are the folks who just absolutely love piano bars. Every city they go to, they want to go to a piano bar. They're the first one up to hand in a request. They're singing along, clapping along to every song. They're going to be there all night. They are there for a show. Boom. We love our keepers. But if I'm honest, an audience full of keepers is not only hard to get, they're hard to manage because everybody wants their minute in the spotlight. Everybody wants their request. I mean, we've got more requests than we can handle on the piano. And somebody generally, excuse me, Somebody generally goes away disappointed that we didn't play this obscure song from the 1930s that they were excited to hear. It happens. But keepers are an important part of the night. Then we had our leapers. You know, these are like the bachelor or bachelorette parties that come in, the birthday parties that come in, the divorce parties that come in. You know, the people who are there to start the night off or we're a stop along the way, but we're not the ultimate destination. And so I've got to know that. I've got to find a way to engage them while they're here, help them have a hell of a time for the hour they may spend with us, maybe two hours if we're lucky. And then, hey man, have a great night. Thank you. Really appreciate you. And then there's the sleepers. And the sleepers are like that boyfriend who's been begrudgingly dragged along by this girl, you know, his girlfriend or his wife, because she loves piano bars, but he doesn't give it, he doesn't care at all. or it's the person who's one of the groomsmen or one of the bachelorettes who just is part of they're they're there for the night but they absolutely hate the party and they can't wait they're trying to turn the group into leapers so that they can go somewhere else my job is to connect with those sleepers 
and get them excited about something. And in some cases, it's to recognize that, look, they're not bothering me. I'm not going to bother them. Just leave them alone. You know, that table that they, they park themselves in the back of the piano bar. They don't want to be bothered. They don't even know if they like this place yet. They're just kind of checking it out. You know, I was a sleeper when I went to a Tony Robbins event. I went to one Tony Robbins event in my life. I loved it, but the first day I was that guy in the back, you know, Tony Robbins events, they're all high-fiving and hugging and like, yes, yes, we love you. Yes, yes, that's what they all say when you walk into the building. And I was that guy who was saying, please, please don't touch me. I don't know you. I don't want to high-five you. I'm not rah-rah, I'm just here to watch. And by day four, the day we left, I was hugging strangers and bear-hugging strangers and high-fiving people. And yes, yeah, I mean, I really let myself get involved in the experience because Tony found a way to reach out and connect with the keepers, the people who go to every event, the leapers, the folks who want to do personal development, they weren't sure, you know, but they're going to try this Tony Robbins thing out, and the sleepers, people like me who just wanted to find out what the fuss was about and, and make a decision. We have those same three people in every organization. You've got keepers in any business, and there's two types of keepers when it comes to business. You've got your rock stars, and you've got your rock steadies. Right? We've got the people who are going to kick butt and take names. They don't want to work anywhere else, be anywhere else, do anything else. They are that corporation's person until they die. But then you've also got those people, you know, like I worked with one. She was the receptionist at an insurance brokerage that I, um, that I worked at. Her name's Carol. And she loved her job. She got to know every single one of us by name, loved saying hi, was always there to give us advice, give us the inside scoop on the company. Carol left at five every day. She was there on time and she left on time. She didn't want to come in any earlier. She didn't want to leave any later. Didn't really want to go the extra mile, but that's okay because she was dependable. Every business needs those rock steadies just like they need their rock stars. Those are your keepers. In business, your leapers are the people who are trying to get, they're building career capital. They're trying to get somewhere else. And they know that to do that, they may need something that you've got. Maybe it's a name on a resume. Maybe you're a big company like Apple, right? And someone who's a software engineer at Apple knows that they can go to a smaller shop, you know, get maybe big ownership equity, get a big title, chief technology officer. They're, they're at Apple to leap to somewhere smaller, maybe, yeah? Or maybe they're at that small shop doing really, you know, baseline entry-level work, really trying to grind their, uh, uh, you know, grind, grind their teeth, so to speak, and, and get some business experience so that they can make the leap to Apple. And historically, the way we've treated leapers as a business community is not good. Once we find out that they don't really want to be here, that they're not totally bought in and 100% committed to our company, we want them out. Hey, buddy, lots of people would love this spot. So either become a team player, drink the Kool-Aid, or get out. And that's a missed opportunity. So the last group are our sleepers. And to me, sleepers are the number one biggest untapped potential every organization has. They're, they're dormant talent. Their talent just waiting to be woken up by a leader, to connect them with a purpose, to connect them with an impact. A leader's job is to take those sleepers and wake them up. And you know what? Some of them are going to wake up and go, oh, this isn't where I wanted to be. You know, kind of like I have a buddy who fell asleep on the MTA once in New York. And he told me that it was very jarring when they reached the last stop and the conductor woke him up and he was like, hey, who are you? Why are you touching me? Oh, why is it dark in here? Oh, because I'm in the bus depot. Yeah, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And sometimes as a leader, when we wake up the sleepers in our organization, they're going to have that same reaction. But that's okay. To grow, sometimes we've got to let go 
of the folks who just don't want to be here. And typically, employers engage me, organizations engage me in these conversations about retention and about employee engagement. And in many cases, I find the organizations are quite selfish. Maybe selfish is the wrong word. That's a strong word. Let's say self-centered, self-interested. Now, there's nothing wrong with creating a profit, but a profit is a result. A profit is not the goal. It is a result. What is your goal? Your goal is to deliver a product or service that changes the lives of your customers, that meaningfully improves their life. And that is not synonymous with you making a profit. If you do it right, a profit should follow, but you've got to focus on the impact. And so let's look at our people. When we talk about the goal of retaining our people, what is the benefit to your people? What is the benefit to your people of you retaining them? How does it help them? In many cases, it's this, I want to keep, I want to keep, I want to keep, I want to keep conversation that, that, that leaders have with me. And we have to slow down a bit and really reframe this idea of retention as, okay, but what's in it for your people? Like, why do they want to stay? The second part of that is engagement. And let's think about relationships. If we treated our interpersonal engagement, right? Like, I don't know if you're married, I'm married. You know, if, if my wife and I, if I said, look, let's baby, let's get engaged. Let's get engaged. Now, here's the thing. Um, I'm still going to date other people. You know, I'm going to reserve my option to go on first dates and just interview others just in case, you know, there's a player. I want to upgrade my bench strength. And if at any given point in time, you're not meeting my needs, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to give you two weeks notice because this is an at will uh, relationship. You know, you can leave whenever you want, of course, but I can leave whenever I want. What kind of commitment is that? So businesses love to use the word engagement, but do they mean it? Because engagement is a precursor to marriage. I don't think that's what they really mean. That is that is some serious, powerful stuff. Uh, and I, as you speak, I can see and relate to a lot of the stuff throughout my career, and I've seen it happen, and I've seen companies really losing it. Uh, there's so much of that, uh, as a matter of fact. It, it, and, and you said it, I mean, the level of different employees you have can make a difference. Understanding who they are. Uh, not everybody works the same way. Not everybody has the same pace or speed. And you can actually tap into any one of those. I actually use that personally. I identify certain skills and I put them in the right roles and give them the opportunity to really, you know, uh, flourish and, and make it. And it works. I, I've, I've had so many success stories with those particular approaches. Now, I'm not saying I'm the best, but but I, I, I apply some of these techniques and I can see them. But you're right. In the corporate world, um, it is about the business profitability. And sometimes that's on the detriment of the talent. I personally, I can say, I mean, I, I've, I've left companies uh, because I saw that there was there was that. They were just about them. They lost that value where you were actually important to them. And therefore, they're not important to me either. <laughs> mm -hmm. You see, and that's that's a powerful thing because when you think about it, like employees do gauge sometimes how they, they're being, uh, I guess, seen and valued. If they feel that the value is no longer there, they're going to look somewhere else where they're going to be valued. And then you lose that talent. Talent acquisition is so hard to get, especially these days. And when you have the right, to your point, raw material, somebody that's workable, you don't want to just disengage them and let them go. You want to make them succeed. And by the way, that's what makes leaders. That's what makes other people grow in companies and career paths. That's the other thing, security. Some people come to the company, they want to stay there, to your point, but they want to have the ability to see themselves grow. If they see, to your point, ah, this is just an engagement thing and we might just be dating right now, <laughs> They're not going to see it themselves for long term and they start looking. And if they're looking, they're not working. 
So let's talk about that because you brought up a really interesting point in terms of what does this do to talent, mm. right? What does the recruitment pipeline look like? I think that leapers are the best source of recruitment for any organization. Here's what I mean. Whenever someone starts a new job, one of the first things that happens traditionally, maybe this will change after the, you know, because of the pandemic, I don't know. But one of the first things that happens is you go to lunch with your coworkers. And invariably at that lunch, they want to know about where you worked. Now, one of two things is going to happen in this conversation. You're either going to say, oh my God, it was a nightmare. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I'm so glad that I landed here. Oh my God, you, you just don't. This one guy, Bob, he was the, I mean, and you just go into this, you know, S talk session about the place you used to work. Or if an organization helps its leapers leap, if leaders say, look, real talk, I get that you may not want to be here forever. I get that when I ask you where you see yourself in five years, the answer may be somewhere else. For me to help you, I need to know that. Because my job, so long as you're meeting the success metrics that we outlined for this job, my job then becomes to prepare you to make that leap and get the other job. Nothing would make me happier as a leader than to see you go where you want to go. And we'll run into each other at a ball game, at the supermarket, I don't know where one day, and we'll high five because you're happy and I'm happy. When that happens, now we have a different lunch table conversation at the new job. They say, hey, tell me about where you worked. Oh my God, I have never been in a place that encouraged me to come and get this job. They were so happy to help me get this job, set me up with the skills I needed to make this leap. If I ever had the chance to go back and work there again, I would absolutely love it. It's one of the best places I've ever worked. All of a sudden now, those colleagues who are sitting around the lunch table with a new employee, the folks who are at the end of their cycle, because according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, people stay between two and four years at a job right now, and then they move on. So if you're, if you're, if you're in that cycle, you're calling that employer and you're saying, hey, I heard that you're a pretty <laughs> great person to work for. I'm curious, uh, you got any openings? <laughs> so these leapers become talent ambassadors. They become brand ambassadors out there. They are now a source of recruitment opportunity for your organization in the future. And it's simple to do. It's simple to create a system that leverages that, that tracks where they go, that keeps in touch with them periodically, engages them in a way that's meaningful, such that they're kicking opportunities back to you. Maybe it's referral opportunities for a new employee. Maybe it's opportunities to come and work at their business. You know, I can't tell you how many times as a broker, people would leave our brokerage and go work for an insurance carrier or a different company. You know, they'd go to work for XYZ construction company. Mm -hmm. If they had a bad opinion of our brokerage, we never got that. We never won those RFPs. We never won those deals. But if they had a good opinion of our company, they walked us into the CEO's office and they said, you're an, you're an idiot if you don't hire this brokerage. I know them intimately because I used to work there. They're the best in the business. So as a, if, you're, if you're a leader listening to this podcast right now, you choose. Do you want the hard way or do you want the easy way? Oh, the smart way. <laughs> the smart way. Yeah, sure. Not the easy way. That's right. The smart way. Well said. Yeah. Well, no, thank you. Well, you know, it's funny because you said that, but you know, we live in a world, for example, uh, reviews are big, right? And it, that review now, there's two ways you do it. You can live it in writing or you can live it in, in, in real testimonial. You shared the testimonial part, but a lot of companies now, a lot of people look at reviews for companies before they even entertain interviewing with them. I see it, two stars, pff, I'm sorry, this is not good. You read the comments that people are leaving are exactly doing that, they're bashing that place. 
And the companies, I worked for a company a few years back, I mean, almost a decade before. Uh, it was one of the top companies to work for in New York City. And, and, and there was a point where there was one of the, the top 50 in the state of New York. And it was, that's, that's, that, that was just the survey. And, and, and the employees were so highly, you know, uh, put in good word out there everywhere they went. That was a great place. That was a great place. And the people that worked there, they felt that it was a great place. They took care of the people. They were there. Now, sometimes companies have that value until something happens and it shifts and then they destroy that. And it becomes, and you get maybe the wrong leadership happens. And then now it's, it's, it, it shifts. Oh, it's all about business. I'm just changing this whole strategy here. We're too family oriented. We're too friendly. And, you know, people have to be worker bees and it kills the whole vibe. And then there you go. Now these folks that were like dedicated to your point, given, you know, extra and the leapers that were there that are working, learning so they can grind and eventually go to somewhere else and, and, and pop up their career. Now they don't want to be there. They just want to leave. The other Hurricane, guys, yeah, let, let me ask you a question. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I no, find, no, it's this, okay. <laughs> I find this line of conversation funny, and I think you'll see why. Huh? What's In your house, yeah. what's the best room to be in? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I never thought about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, what's the room that if you go in there, it's comfortable, you just you like hanging around, you like being there? I would say uh, my TV room. <laughs> okay, your TV yeah. room. Yeah. So what the hell is the point of a business turning into a TV room? When I hear this, oh, we're the best place to work. Really? Are you? That just means that people don't want to leave? Well, what are you actually getting done? In this quest to become the best place to work, we adopt all these odd and comfortable metrics like we're going to do free gene day on Thursday or free pizza day on Tuesday. <laughs> like, it's a lot of these like, you know, cool kid club activities that these companies love to put on. But if you're a best place to work, like congratulations, you got your employees to fill out a survey. You, you, you know, you sort of convinced everybody to, to fill out a report card. That's great. But show me the best place to be from. Show mm. me a place that people are dying to get into because of the development that they get. Oh, That's I, what I want to know. I, I, I'm, it, I'm so, uh, I, I find it hilarious that, you know, these organizations that are like, we're the best place to work. Okay. Well, they, so they, what? they actually you, promote that. That, that, yeah. But you're right, they promote it. And, and it, it is it is something that, you know, well, again, I mean, that that's how it used to be. I mean, to be honest with you, that, that's changed. That changed a whole bunch right now. I mean, it's just different. But but there was a point. That's how you scaled your like, that's how your reputation was built as a company, well, at least in some corporate you know realms. And and people gravitated, depending also on in industries that happened. Right. But like even today, like in my industry, we're talking about insurance. Some people gravitate towards certain companies, not towards certain leadership, right? So that's the other part. Why? Because these companies give amenities, give services, give this, that, the benefits, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes like, you know, we all heard the expression, people leave uh, bosses, uh, you know, because, or they follow leaders, right? So, so the concept is that sometimes I'd rather go after somebody that's going to like really get me, you know, to the next level, help me out, guide me as a leader, than just go to a company where I'm just going to be cozy. But then again, what is just the expectation? It depends on you, right? Not everybody wants that. To your point, some people want just to be there. <clears throat> they just want to be there, collect the check, done. Some people and want those, to do more. And, and, and those are the sleepers. Sleepers show up for a check. Leapers show up because they're building career capital. And yeah. keepers show up because it's a calling. And, I, and I'll tell you, I'm not under some illusion 
that everybody's got to love their job. I am not the rah-rah cheerleader. You got to love what you do. No, you do have to love something about your life, something that's creating growth and progress for you. So I love, I, so I have a daughter. I love my daughter. My life is not measured solely by her success. There's, that's her life. I want to set her up to be successful and I will be proud and supportive and do whatever it takes to help her be successful. But my life needs to have progress too. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'm getting at. Here's the point I want people to take away. You don't have to love your nine to five, but I challenge you to find something you do love from five to nine, AM and PM. So if you go to work and shut your brain off and your brain turns back on at 5 p.m., God bless. That's fine. If that company puts up with it and you do just enough to get the check, more power to you. That's fine. But you as a person will not feel complete or fulfilled unless you're pursuing something you love and are passionate about on the other times. It could be golfing. It could be bird watching. I, I, I don't know. Whatever it is, you need to make that decision, listener. But I am telling you, that these companies who advertise solely along the lines of, well, we're the best because we're the best place to work. What does that really tell me about you helping me achieve my goals? It says that you've created a comfortable work environment that people don't want to leave. But prior to the pandemic, people weren't leaving jobs, not because they didn't want to leave jobs, but because it's easier to switch a bank than it is to switch a job in some cases. There's so much stress associated with switching a job and the offer and the new commute and the, the change in hours and what's my leader going to be like. People weren't leaving jobs, not because they loved where they worked, but because they, they weren't sure what they were going to do outside. Put, put, a, put a better way, people were very comfortable. Yes. And when that pandemic kicked in a global sense of discomfort, a lot of folks said, you know, can't get more uncomfortable than this. So while I'm at it, why not start to pursue something I really care about? And we're seeing a lot of those people flourish. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I, again, I, it is, it has been an eye opener and a shift in, in all around the world, actually. People have taken advantage of, of that time uh, and, and made a whole different life for themselves and, and rather successful, I would say. And you're right, even the culture at work these days is different. Uh, you know, recruiters now have tough time. <laughs> I mean, really just finding talent or even engaging with talent. The people are no longer slaves or, or servants to that old mentality. They actually really changed it now. You know, I, I got to do what I, what's best for me. I got to do what's going to be fulfilling. And people are changing to this. And that's, that's powerful. Uh, and, and it's becoming a little bit more challenging because companies now, to your point, have to shift how they do things. They want to recognize, they need to recognize these levels of people and they need to be able to tailor and cater to them differently so they can actually get the best of them and still get to that, to your point, to the result, which is profit, but, but grow. And the ultimate, you know, target here, we're talking about employees enough, but, but, but we haven't talked about the end user, which is the client or the customers of any business you're either given a product or a service at the end of the day there is somebody that's paying for those things and those are your customers or clients and the relationship between how you manage those employees and what they're going to give you and how you're going to get the best for your clients and customer that's a powerful thing uh it, it is a big question we all we all talk or at least you know i talk a lot about this maybe you've heard this uh the knowing doing gap that's the difference between knowledge and the application of that knowledge. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it can be anywhere from like, all right, yeah, I know how to meditate, but but do you? <laughs> yeah, I, I know how to execute a sales call properly, but do you? Right? Mm. But chew on this for a minute, that we all know we're going to die, but how many of us act like it? How many of us really embrace the importance of now and the decisions that we need to make? to lead a life that on our deathbed we'll look back and go, yeah, I gave that everything I had. I have the luxury of having gone through what I call a death-like experience because as a singer and a high communicator, someone who uses their voice 90% of the day, losing the ability to speak permanently would have been tantamount to dying. Yes, I would have learned sign language. I'm not trying to be dramatic. And there are people out there who deal with much worse than I had to deal with. Terminal diagnosis is something that I'll never understand. It's a, it's a whole different ballgame. But to the extent that I've sort of come back on the other side of that and now get to make different choices that I thought I would never speak again and now I'm getting to, mm-hmm. what that kicked in for me is something that, that, that most I see most people having a hard time processing. But the, the, the changes that I was able to make as a result of that have literally been life-changing. And I just wish that more people, although they know that they're dying, I wish more people would act like it. Well, listen, I mean, you are bringing a super point because everyone listening, watching, we have our own ways of life, right? We all have some sort of a, a career path or job or something. And you're right, we're... We also know that there may be an opportunity, there may be a point where either it's going to end or we're going to end or something's going to happen. But actions speak louder than words. And people sometimes, <laughs> you know, fail to do that. I mean, we can talk, but we don't walk. And, 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 and that's, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a practice that people have to have. You're, you, you gave a good example. I mean, a super example, again, from your, you, you were literally faced with something that is very detrimental, something that's, that's a life changing. It could have altered your life forever. I mean, I mean, it did to a degree, but, but it altered you to a different way, but God forbid if that, 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 that vocal cords were gone to your point, you have to adjust a new lifestyle and, and, and maybe now it's a whole new thing and maybe you can be doing this and you might be doing something else. The music may still be, but so it's a changing thing, but every one of us have something similar that we can, we just have to be aware of it. I think that's the other thing I think from, from our audiences, if we can just extract from this discussion, like know that today is great. You don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but then work towards like, you know, you're going to make things happen in your passion. Find to your point what that means for you from nine to five or I mean, from five to nine a.m. or p.m. That's the thing. You got to fulfill your life. You got to, to your point earlier, something about not coping. You have to live, live the life you want. Now, now I know you have these lows that you talk about, you know, in general, uh, the loss of performance. What would you say about those? How would you kind of, uh, I guess, share that with our audiences today? Yeah, so uh, I call them keys because it's a really like good take on the piano, yeah, the seven keys of success. <laughs> I love um, it. I'd love to share a handout uh, so the audience can text the word keys to 33777. Um, so if you text the word keys, K-E-Y-S, to 33777, you'll get a text back asking for your name and your email, and that's just so I can send you this one sheet. It's not because I'm... I am not going to spam you or send you know bajillions of emails or ask you to sign up for my online course. I don't even have an online course. Maybe I should, but I don't. I simply want to get this to you in a simple way because once you're aware of these seven keys, 
you can pick one that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. You can start to develop it within yourself and you'll, found, you'll find, like I found, that these keys are really the special sauce to changing our life. Because if we acted with the same urgency that a person who's dying or a person who's found they're never going to be able to use their voice again, if we acted with that same urgency every day, what we can do is tremendous. That's what I want for the audience. I want the audience to be able to live a life that's tremendous, that's fulfilling, that where they feel like they're flourishing. And I want to take the irk out of work. Greg, I love it. That's powerful. And and again, if we can all achieve that, it, it, life is just going to be a whole different. I mean, imagine every day. It's a beautiful, fulfilling day. It's a great day. It's a super day. And you're getting the most out of it and enjoying the life. And life actually will not be boring. Life will not be you know, depressing. You'll enjoy every moment of it. And again, and you enjoy as long as, like, you live until you die, <laughs> but live well. That's a simple you know, concept. So, so your, your keys, your system, and, and by the way, I'm almost positive, and I haven't seen those keys, but I'm sure they cover almost every personality <laughs> or different angles for a lot of different people. So it should literally cover all of us out there. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I'll tell you what they are. They're curiosity, drive, energy mm-hmm. focus gratitude nice. attitude and belief and and the last two i'll just clarify real quick for people attitude is the way others see you mm-hmm. and belief is the way you see yourself when you look in the mirror very two two very important components of that program I so check it, it out uh, well listen folks text it <laughs> the number was again text the word keys yep. to three three seven 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 Three three seven seven seven. That's it. You know, keys, and and we'll get the keys to success, to a better life. I love it. So 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 so, Greg. I know we're coming to the end of the show here, but um, how do we interact with you? I mean, if people, audiences, wants to actually, whether they're companies or individuals that want to. I'm not sure. First of all, do you work with individuals or just strictly corporations and and uh, I guess leaders from corporations? It depends on the opportunity. I'm I'm open to talking to anyone because I love to meet people and understand what drives them, mm-hmm. why they perform. Um, but generally I do work with organizations and I'll work with the leaders within them or the people within them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all leaders. I mean, this could be a crazy way to look at the world, but we either lead the person we see in the mirror or we follow somebody else. So I think we're all natural born leaders. It's just, do we take up that mantle? You know, you may have several people that you lead, but at the end of the day, you still got to look in the mirror and lead that person. So we're all leaders, no matter what role you have in an organization, no matter how old you are, how experienced you are. Um, But I generally work with leaders in organizations and with the organizations themselves to create a culture of high-performing, highly fulfilled people. Um, Generally, the best way to get in touch with me is through a a direct message on LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, I kind of post like one-off thoughts on Twitter, but I don't really interact in the DMs there. So LinkedIn, Instagram are kind of where I play the most. I'm I'm not really on Facebook at all. Um, or my website, which is gregoryoffner.com. All right. Check it out. Yeah, we will. And by the way, I will have the, the link to it. So on the description of the show, so people can actually link up to it. Your picture will be on the show as a guest. And once they click it, they go right to your site. I love it. <laughs> so, so it's all about you, man. And, and the show will also be linked to you. So, uh, folks, listen, we, we had a great time today i hope that you've learned a lot i think i think greg you've delivered a lot of powerful powerful stuff and uh key messages key pointers and i think what doesn't matter who you are in 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 a, in a corporation 
this will resonate with you somehow and will help you adjust at least your vision and how you see things around you and you probably can apply differently going forward and, and really make a difference for yourself and for your company if you work for someone if you're, you're the leader for your employees and your customers at the end of the day you'll wind up in a win-win for everyone That's right. um, so so greg it, it is it is a, a pleasure to have you today with us here and uh, and really had a great time uh, any last um you know i guess words of wisdom before we close today no, I think we nailed it. Okay. <laughs> I, listen, I'm I just, just trying to get any more juice. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, listen, thank you so much, Greg, for being with us. It, it's been real. I, thank you so much. It's Thanks powerful. for having me, Hurricane. You yeah. rock. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Folks, thank you. Hope you had a, a great time with us. Uh, we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new guest, new topic. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.